This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Wallace dips inside and hits. Stephen Fletcher back towards Adam Rich. You're listening to the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. What were Brian Laws like then as a as a manager? Um, you know, in terms of like his management style and, and things like that. Is some, were you someone that you that you got on well with that you that your short time at Sheffield Wednesday? Yeah, I got on very well, Brian. Um, I, I found him to be um, directly towards me, to be very honest. The only thing I didn't like with Brian was at the very end, it was the last game of the season, we played at home. Um, I had I never put my hamstring in life. I wasn't quick enough to put my hamstring, but I put my hamstring against Sheffield <laughs> Wednesday. So I get annoyed. Uh, and I came off after about, I don't know, about 25, 30 minutes. And I was out for, I don't know, I was probably out for about four weeks. And I came back um, played the last couple of games of the season was, was sub actually for the very last game and he brought me on with half an hour 45 minutes to go I can't remember and he pulled me after the game and said look uh, I want to sign you um, I want to get a deal done in the summer and I want you to be at the club next season and that was the last thing I ever heard of me you never rang me again after that <laughs> but that was a bit like I was like oh, right, well, he, he is, uh, as honest as, as you make out but other than that uh, he, he was absolutely fine I mean he, he helps out to resurrect my career in the sense that I got confidence and belief back in my knee that I was able to not be the player I was, but I was certainly able to manage it and cope with it and be able to get through games. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, I was very, I was very grateful to to Brian for that. But in terms of his management style, I thought he was quite, um, uh, I thought he was quite thorough. He, he he had an awful lot of video analysis. He was doing video analysis and he, and he kept it brief before a game. I thought he spoke quite well. I thought he was clear with his messages and how he wanted it to be. Um, I thought his training was decent. So yeah, on on and on, I thought he was a good manager. Yeah, um, you know, obviously he mentions as well that uh, you know you're a true professional of the game, and and is that is that kind of what you pride yourself on? You know, putting the hours on the training ground, doing things right as a as a footballer. Yeah, well, I mean, it started. I suppose when I when I went to Stoke, uh, we used to do this thing called lactate run, and um, it was a twenty minute run where you'd run for ten minutes. Uh, sorry. Uh, it was four minutes, 10 miles an hour, 10 kilometers an hour rather. Uh, it went uh, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Um, and then you, you got a lactate. And it was Gudjan Thorson that brought this that brought this in. And it turned out there was me and a lad called James O'Connor. James it went went up to play yeah. for Sheffield. Yeah. Uh, two fittest players at the club. So I knew if nothing else, I could run. Because like, I used to do an awful lot of treadmill running. But I think as you, as you, as you get older and you, you gain experience, it was more really about how the group were and how the group were committed to actually want to be successful and you know the, the time not only you put on the training ground but obviously what you've done away from the stadium and how you're leading your life so yeah um, it was something that I was always I was always very conscious of and you know probably having the, the experience you like of being around a lot of the lads that were in the Irish squad and looking at them playing week in week out in the Premier League you know, you, you rob bits from what they're doing and how they're eating and, and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, so you just try as a player to to pass that across to your other 
the other teammates to help them. So yeah, but that was I, I just felt that was always a team player to be honest with you. And I, 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 I would do whatever it took to um to help myself and help me help, help me teammates. Yeah, to try and try and try and win. I mean, b- before you came for the that year, well, the the six month loan spell. Uh, apparently, you could have gone to to Leicester. Is is that right? Yeah, Leicester come in. Um, there, was, there was a couple of clubs actually. Southampton come in as well. But I'd been at Sheffield Wednesday. I knew what the club um, meant to the fans. I knew I knew I was still going to be able to live at home and travel. Uh, I really enjoyed playing for the club. And yeah, it was, it was a no brainer to be honest to come back. It was one of them. I, I, I did think. If it goes well, uh, it would be a club I'd love to sign for a Premier League. I thought that was going to happen in the summer. Obviously, it didn't happen. But uh, it was one of them. It was, um, yeah, it was, I really, really enjoyed my time at the club. Uh, I think Sheffield Wednesday has been one of them clubs for, for a good number of years now. Where it's it's been a yo-yo club and it's been in different, differently run in terms of finances. And, yeah. you know, from where it was in the Premier League and where it potential, what, what its potential is. I mean, I, I always look at, at Leeds and Sheffield Wednesday as two clubs. I never understand why big investors don't come in and really go and, go and buy the two clubs because the, the potential is just it's enormous it's, it's, it's off the scale how big how big Sheffield Wednesday uh, is you know and I, I don't see why nobody goes and, and, and takes that leap of faith and, and, and really tries to invest in the team you know yeah, I'm, I mean you mentioned you know the game against Sheffield United as well uh, obviously you know you've, you've you must have played in some big derbies, you know, during your during your career. But where does the the Steel City derby rank in terms of, you know, the how big that game is? Yeah, well, I mean, it's like any derby. You, you, you get told about it until you actually yourself. You don't realise the the hatred and the, and the intensity. I mean, in around the city, I was I was very surprised um, how three, four, five weeks before you were getting reminds of the game and, and how important it was to win and um, what it meant to the fans and. And yeah, and I mean, even driving to the stadium, it was uh, as you got to to Bramall Lane, it was it was it was hostile. Do you know what I mean? You could you could tell it was uh, there was there was two sets of fans that absolutely despised each other. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but that no, was great. It was great atmosphere, obviously. And Gary Speedler, the rest of me played in that game. Um, so yeah, it was it was great. You know, it was it was just a, it was a good time for me. I I, I wish I could have. There was the two clubs. I wish I had of had more. Um, Look, if you like, at one of them was was definitely the Sunderland one because the, the size of the club and the fact it was Roy. And the other one was I, I wish I'd have spent more time at Sheffield Wednesday because it was such a such a great club, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I can remember that you know the, that Steel City derby um, that you you played in. You know, I was there in the uh, in the away end. Um, I think we were two one up. Uh, Adam Boulder scored yeah, two. I think he scored a brace, didn't he? Yeah, only two goals I think he's ever scored. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, yeah. score, didn't score any others, and uh, and then I think yeah. Wood with an own goal, uh, Richard Wood, and and then James Beater with a free kick. Um, but obviously it was two 0 up until you went off. So I'm uh, I'm blaming Brian Laws for that one for taking you off because maybe maybe we should have uh, perhaps won that one if you'd have stayed on. No, to be honest, that, that was the game I pulled my hamstring. So oh, right. uh, <laughs> we, we were still there. <laughs> yeah, no choice. Yeah, I was running down the right wing. I actually thought I got shot. I was thinking, and then I went hamstring. I was like, that can't be my hamstring. I'm saying don't run fast enough to go to, to pull my hamstring. <laughs> but yeah, so that was uh, that was a bit unusual, but. I suppose that really probably saw me time up batch every Wednesday in terms of, you know, I, I was thinking it was it, it was going well, and it was we were going to get somewhere, and I was going to probably sign the summer, and it just didn't happen. But yeah, and as I say, I loved, I absolutely loved, loved playing for the club, and um, I have some really good memories of it. 
I mean, one one player I want to pick out, um, Lee Grant, obviously goalkeeper. What what a goalkeeper he were. I mean, some people would say you know Pressman or obviously Westwood were perhaps like the best goalkeeper that we've that we've had in recent recent times. Um, but for me, probably because of my age, uh, and you know I'll probably go into more games at that at that time. Like Lee Grant probably goes down as one of the the best goalkeepers in terms of shot stopping. He were he were phenomenal, weren't he? Yeah, and you know what a great lad as well. He's a, he's an absolute gentleman. He's a lovely, lovely fella. Uh, very humble, very down to earth. But yeah, great. I, I mean, I was surprised how good he actually was to be honest when I came. Um, you know, shot stopping, decision making. Um, you know, he was brave. Come for crosses in terms of if he'd come and catch, he'd come and punch. So, yeah, I just thought he was a good all round decision maker. Um, and yeah, he, he definitely kept us in a lot of games. Like he was, he, he was really good, no doubt about it. He must have been a good keeper. He's at Man United, right? So you're not you're not a bad keeper if you sign for Man United. No, most definitely, yeah. And to be honest, he was, he was a great professional as well. I mean, he, he walked, yeah. he walked very, very hard after training, and uh, he put the arrows into his body and stuff. Very, very similar to Glen Whelan, to be honest with you. Both of them would would, would go and do ice baths and stuff like that in, in the middle of winter, and just to, to get the best out of themselves. And they'd obviously utilise the gym and, and do all they could. But yeah, it's no surprise now to see him still playing, well, still involved at Man United and. And still year on year getting another contract, and so good luck to him. Yeah, hundred percent. He was a he was a great lad and a, and a very good player. I mean that 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 season as well. Obviously, you know, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. You know, you said that obviously we, we stayed up on the last day of the season. What what was the atmosphere like in the in the in the dressing room after that game? Well, I suppose what what was it like before, and what was it like after? It must have been obviously a lot of a lot of pressure because I said we needed to we needed to win, didn't we? Yeah. Well, in fairness to you, Brian, I mean Brian was I actually thought that. That actual game and that, that week and that period, uh, he was very calm. He, uh, he he definitely tried to take the pressure away from the group. Didn't change anything on the day in terms of how what his preparation was and and how he was with his demeanour. Um, yeah, you could, you could definitely sense there was there was there was pressure on the game, but there was also a drive. I think amongst the players that they certainly well, it was in our hands. If we won, we were going to stay up, and um, and that was that was how it panned out. We we obviously played very well after the game. I think it was more relief than. Than excitement or, or joy, if you like, it was more right. The job's done. The season wasn't great. It's ended well in the sense that we've 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 uh, we've, we've kept our, our championship status. But there was nobody really jumping through hoops around like that. There was no celebrations of of players high fiving and stuff. I think the manager was was exhausted. He went around and thanked every player. Um, as I say, that's when he came to me and said he'd be in touch. That he wanted to keep me. But that, that phone call didn't happen. So uh, so yeah, but it was it was just as I say, it was. Um, it was one more of a relief than, than anything else. Yeah, I mean, another player, I mean, you didn't play with him um, at Sheffield Wednesday, but, you know, a player that's, that signed for us a little bit later on, uh, Gary Medine. Um, obviously, you played with him yeah. at, at Carlisle. Um, uh, was, obviously, when he was at Sheffield Wednesday, you know, he, he, liked, he liked to go downtown, he liked to have a, have a drink and what have you. Was, was he like that at Carlisle as well? <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story about Gaz. Um, so... I manager, I manager Carlisle, and um, we were struggling. Uh, I, I ended up becoming manager because the, the previous manager, Greg, who, who brought me in as a first team coach, he ends up getting the sack, and they, they asked me to take over. Um, so I did. So we, we lost the first five games with the, or six games six with the previous manager, and then I come in. So when we were starting to do all right, and the budget's now been spent, um, and he was learning for me because I'm now, I'm now manager I'm now making all the decisions I'm now dealing with the, the board the finances um, the media the players the agents 
all of that, and that was a complete, complete uh, eye opener. So I loved it, was, was totally uh, engrossed in it, and then managed to sign a few decent players on loan pre Christmas. Christmas comes and goes, and my inexperience as a manager probably told in the second half of the season because the players I was able to sign, I didn't realise that the lads I was bringing in on loan were players that were going to get released from other clubs. I knew it, but I couldn't tell the players themselves that they were, they were the ones who were going to get released. And they still felt or thought they had a future at the club. And why that impacted on me was they didn't, I think they thought, well, it doesn't really matter what happens here. If I don't perform well, I'm still going to be going back to my parent club. Yeah. But it wasn't my place to be able to tell them that that wasn't going to be the case. So did they give as much as what they could have done? I don't know what's the answer. But it turns out, anyway, we didn't um, we didn't stand the league and we get relegated. But the funny story with Gaz was, I ring Gaz and um, and I love Gaz, great lad. Um, he is what he is. He likes a night out, likes a beer. Has good he player cared? though, isn't he, Cav? Bit He's a, a good bit yeah. of a round character. Very, very good player. Yeah. And, um, and, he, and he knew the league and, and to be honest with you, Whilst he'd had his falling out um, with Sheffield Wednesday, and he was he was on uh, he was on a tag when he came out, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm ringing guys and saying, "Look, I'll get your career back on track. Come do the business for us, and and you know, get the goals. You'll be getting game time. You get minutes. Obviously, I'll look after you in terms of training and, and whatever else. Well, basically, I just need you on the pitch. Yeah, no problem. That's brilliant, right, great. So we come, and he comes with this tag on, right? I'm saying, how are we going to walk on this fucking tag? So he plays with the tag on anyway, and he covers it, and he straps it, and goes wherever, that's fine. So he plays the first game, we play swimming at home, and we win one nil, and Gaz scores. He comes running to me, celebrating. So I'm delighted. We win, I'm over the moon, happy days. We're playing on the Tuesday. And I can't remember who we're playing. Gaz comes to me on the Monday. Gaffer, I can't play on Tuesday. I said, what do you mean? He said, I need to be home by seven o'clock. I said, what? <laughs> I have to be in the house by seven o'clock or else this tag goes off. You'll have be on the tag. I said, why the fuck didn't you tell me this when I was signing you? So basically, we played away on a Saturday that was too far from to get home for seven o'clock. Couldn't play in there either. So in the whole... He never told me any of this. So basically, I was signing guys. Out of the 12 games he could have played, I think he played four or five. And I was literally like, Jesus Christ, you just wasted a loan for me that I could have got somebody else in on. And now we're getting, now we're getting married again. Listen, it wasn't, it wasn't Gaza's fault, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was tough times. It was uh, a real, a real uh, eye opener. The management side of it was, was a real eye opener. I, I loved it, actually loved it, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was stressful. Yeah, I mean, was that ever your aim to go into management? Because you know, looking at it, you obviously signed as a, if it was a player coach, and then you went to assistant manager, caretaker, and then permanent manager. It kind of looked like it just kind of happened by default. But with that kind of, was that your you wanted to become a manager? Uh, yeah, well, I was doing all, I don't know my coaching badges. I don't know my, my, my B license, my uh, A license. Uh, I was in the middle of my pro license. And um, I did have ambitions of being a manager. I think I think wanting to be a manager and then becoming a manager is completely two different things. And then when you, when you actually are in the role of the management position, uh, you see, like for instance, when I was a player, I'd be sitting whether it be in a car or in a dressing room or on a training pitch and thinking sounds so and so was signed for whoever and I'd be like well why didn't we sign him like we could have afforded him we you know he would have improved us um, our recruitment isn't great why is that blah 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 and everything else and then you actually become manager and you actually start to understand why and how and, 
and the reasons for it. And you need to understand budgets pretty quickly. Um, my budget at the time was one point one million, I think it was, and there was six hundred eighty grand of that that was already spent with, with players that had contracts. So essentially, I just had over four hundred grand to spend on players, and I, I knew I needed a striker. Um, I, I definitely needed two centre halves. I needed a midfield player, I needed a wide man, and I needed the goalkeeper who was going to be going to be a sub. So we ended up bringing a, a goalkeeper on two hundred fifty quid a week, and that's that's genuine. Um, and then our first team goalkeeper Mark Gillespie got injured, and I was playing this this lad um, who, no disrespect, was 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 a great lad, great professional, and um, hadn't really experienced League One, and was playing a lot of games and. Listen, it wasn't his fault. Uh, it was just where the club was. But in terms, you know, in terms of recruitment, when I look back on it, the recruitment, the recruitment at Carroll was shocking. We didn't have any scouts. We didn't have any. Um, so who, who used to do all the signings know. then? Was it was it you, Cav? Then yeah, it was me basically. Yeah. So what what we do is I'd um, I'd go and watch games. Obviously, watching after like twenty three games. What I used to do was I used to. So basically, what happened was I, I ended up getting given a job um, with a guy called Davy Orange, who was the U team manager. And um, Tony Cage, who was the goalkeeping coach, and he said, "Wait, have you going to manage it um, to start with and see we go on?" We won the first three games and drew the fourth, and they gave me the manager job. And I then, if I'm being totally honest with you, I wouldn't have had Dave Orens as my assistant manager. Looking back in it, he was a great lad, lovely fella, very genuine. Um, I could trust him in that the information that he was giving me was always honest. But I just didn't feel we were on the same page with regards to how we wanted to play. And then what actually started to really take shape was I used to I used to take a Tuesday off. Um I used to let him take training on a Tuesday. So what I used to do was I travel to Manchester in the morning, uh, Liverpool in the afternoon, and maybe Birmingham in the evening and watch three games, three twenty-three games. Ideal. And get and get as much information on players as I could, try and meet as many people as I could in terms of who could influence um coaches or clubs then might lend us players and stuff and to be honest with you by the end of the week I was exhausted but what, what was finding was Davey didn't use a stopwatch in training so I was getting the information back from the players I, I put a, a session out for the lads to do and it was always 90 minutes the sessions were always 90 minutes and players just tell me that like, we're working for two hours two and a half hours two hours two and three quarter hours I was getting a lot of back problems I was getting hamstring problems um, so now I'm, I'm thinking I'm after losing two and a half Saturday what, like, what the fuck's going on like um, and then I have, I'd say to David, David said, "Well, he pulled his back because." And I said, "No, no, he pulls back because you're fucking overtraining him. He needs to start using a, a, a stopwatch." Anyways, top and bottom of it, after about six weeks, I realised that Davy wasn't the person I wanted to walk. And so I went to the club and I said to uh, John Nixon, "I said, John, look, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I said it's a really difficult decision. I said I'm not putting the blame anywhere else. It's on my door. But I said I want to make a change in the um, in the staff. And I said I want I want to get rid of Davy." And John Nixon's <laughs> reply to me was, Cav, if we sack him now, we have to uh, give him 12 months' wages. We'll sack him in the summer. This is this is November. He said, we'll sack him in the summer and we'll only have to pay him six months. I said, Johnny, you're not listening to what I'm saying. You're still going to pay the 12 months because he's going to stay and he's going to stay and I'm going to have to pay him for Christmas. So what? you're actually going to save two months' money by sacking him now. And he's like, yeah, but then we'll have to pay another assistant manager. Yeah, but do you want to stay in the league? I don't want to stay in the league. And then you were having arguments about overnight stay, a simple thing when we play crew away uh, on on New Year's Day and they wouldn't give us an overnight stay and we, we end up getting beaten 1-0 I end up having a go at a lad called Lee Miller to send it forward and it turns out that he had seen the New Year in with his, um, with his family he went to bed at quarter one 
he was up at quarter uh, quarter five in the morning to travel to, to Carlisle. Then he got on the he had breakfast at one of the lads' uh, houses in the morning, and then we travelled three hours down the crew, and we get beaten one 0 and you actually wonder why at the end of the season that we didn't we didn't stay in the league when players are, are doing all these things, and it was it was just a collective. Mm. Um, thing and I'll, I'll tell you actually a funny story you, you laugh at this this is the truth about it right? I um, my wife says to me she says uh, are you are you having an affair and I says and I says am I having an affair when the fuck have I got time to have an affair right she says well you haven't come near me in six weeks and I said well I'm going to be totally honest shit. the little fella has got into hibernation I don't know where he is right <laughs> he's doing right? I, I couldn't I basically couldn't get a hair on that was what it was right so um, I wasn't even waking up with a pissy heart on the morning. That's the truth of God. So she says, well, you, you, better, you better go and see the doc. So I went to see the doc. I says, doc, need a water shit. He says, yeah, no problem. What's the man? I says, look, not here in the physio. I said, we go up to my office. I went to the office. I says, doc, I said, I can't get a heart on. You know what he said to me? This is the truth of God. This is what he said. He says, don't worry about a calf. He says, that's your stress. Last four managers were exactly the same. And I thought, <laughs> and I thought, it's just management lack, really, for me. To be. <laughs> that's why you didn't carry on managing then. Well, yeah, yeah. My, my next question was that was back in 2013, 14. It's been eight years since then. Not bothered about going to management then. That's kind of answer my question then, really. No, to be honest with you, do you know what? I got offered. Um, I got I got sacked. Uh, I got sacked. Me, me actually, me second was actually quite funny as well. To be honest, I, um, we played we played Cambridge on the on the Saturday and we got beaten. Um, bear in mind now I, I got rid of the system manager that I wanted to get rid of back in November I got rid of him in July and they wouldn't let me bring in the system manager so now I'm doing it I'm, doing it, I'm taking training I'm doing the scouting I'm doing the recruitment uh, I'm doing the media I'm picking the team um, so I'm doing everything so really when I look back on it they were actually setting me up to fail really because they, they thought right well he's got us relegated we're now going to give him the chance if he actually does well then by Christmas we might actually give him an assistant manager but if not is a cheap sacking because we can sack him. We don't have to stack all, sack all of the staff also. Yeah. So looking back in hindsight, they knew what they were doing. But um, every Saturday, every Sunday, whether it be Saturday night or Sunday morning, you get a text message off from the directors. And he'd say, yeah, great performance today or unlucky today or the referee was shy or whatever he'd say. But he'd always comment. And we went two weeks now and didn't get, didn't get, I didn't get a text message. I said to Ross, my wife, Rosemary's her name, but I call her Ross. So she said, um, said to Ross, I said, uh, I said, I'm going to get sacked. She went, no, you're overthinking. I said, no, I'm telling you, I'm going to get sacked. So next of all, I get a phone call from John Nixon, who's the chief executive. And he says to me, um, listen, Cab, he says, I'm going to be honest with you. He says, I've got my fingers in all the holes and the water's still coming through. He says, um, can you get an assistant manager? And I says, can I get this? I said, well, how much money are you going to give me to get an assistant manager? Um, turns out, I ring Paul Gio. And I was telling Paul Gio, and Paul Gio said, listen, Cab, you're 100% you're getting sacked. And he says, I'll tell you what I'll do. He says, I'll come in for six months and be your assistant for free, right? So um, I was like, no, no, I'm going to get you some wages 100%. He said, no, no, no. He said, I'm going to do it as a favour to you. He said, uh, you're great for me when, when you played for me. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to do it return a favour for you. I said, all right. So I ring John Nixon back. And John goes, this is honestly what he said. He says, um, Cav, this is a really shit line, right? He said, I can't, I can't hear you. Well, can you do me a favour? Can you meet me tonight at six o'clock? Um, at um, Scratch Corner at the hotel so I, I knew I knew it was sacked so I, knew, I get there at 6 o'clock um, I'm sitting at the, I'm sitting in the bar in a, in a bar full of people so they knew quite clearly what they were going to do they were obviously going to it's like it's like being, being head of the mafia 
and you know you're going to get you're going to get executed. <laughs> they know what to do, right? So, uh, Donny, I'm sitting there, quarter past six, half six, quarter past seven. I've seen the car pull up about half an hour, forty five minutes beforehand, and they haven't come in. And I'm thinking they're actually taking the piss out of me here now. So I ring John. I said, John, I know you're sitting in the car park. What the fuck's going on? I'm a big boy. Whatever happens tonight happens. You're going to come in and have a chat. Yeah, yeah, we'll be in now. So he comes in. So there's John Nixon, the chief executive. There's, there's the chairman. And there's a fellow called Steve Patterson, who's the director of football. So the three of them sit down. The chairman is sitting to my right. And Steve Pat, the, 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 uh, the director of football, of course. He says, uh, Cav, uh, just a quick one. Give us uh, a few reasons why we should keep you on as manager. And as I was about to speak, the chairman was looking around the room, right? And he puts his hand up to the waiter and he goes, Cav, do you want a point? This is what he said to me, right? And I went, do I want a fucking point? Well, I'm, I'm either here to get sacked or I'm here to keep my job. And you were asking, do I want a point? This is not a social event, right? So the fact he wasn't even listening to what I was about to say to him, I knew what the outcome was. I actually literally started to speak and the chairman was no more interested than anything I had to say. And I just went, I said, to be honest with you, you're not even interested in what I have to say. Why the fuck are you already asking me how I'm going to keep my job when you've already made your decision? And that's why you sat in the car 45 minutes. Am I right? And John Nixon goes, yeah, Cavi, you're right. I says, right, pay me what I'm owed. Um, do it correctly in terms of how it should be done. And you've made your decision now, so good luck. And that, that was basically the end of it. And that, that was the end of the, the uh, air relationship, if you like, as, as manager. And I got sacked. And then, and then he said to me, that was the other thing, he said to me, so I went in on the morning, I wanted to go in and have a chat with the players. And he said to me, um, do us a favour, tell the players not to release on social media till 10 o'clock. That's when it's going to get announced in, on the radio and, and, and publicly. So I went in and chatted to the lads, um, thanked them for their efforts and what have you left. And as I left, I, I forgot to tell them about the uh, social media. So I turned back into the dressing room. I swear because I was about six to like that on the phone. Couldn't wait to get it. I'm thinking, you bunch of wankers. You know what I mean? You're like... It's like the king is dead, long live the king. Who's the next person going to come in? And whoever that is, well, good luck to them type of thing. But yeah, it was a, it was a proper learning curve. I've been offered a few jobs since, but I knew I was going from the same, into the same environment, into the same situation, which is, is a difficult environment. And if you don't have the correct tools, um, you're going to struggle. I, I actually think I was quite good um, as a manager. I think I would definitely do things different. I think I'd be a lot more calmer now if I went back in again, but... Um, getting the opportunity probably won't happen and, and to be honest I'm not really going vegan either because uh, it is stressful so since since you left Carlisle please tell me little man's working now then right oh he's back in action yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, it's all good now so we're all, we're all as, soon as, as soon as he told you we're sat that way eh? <laughs> <laughs> boom yeah well, that's I mean, saying, the, doc, the doc says to me don't worry about the last the, the last uh, four months exactly the same he goes and as he was saying he was just writing a prescription for uh, Viagra he's <laughs> handed <laughs> 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 to me I'm like all right, whatever you do, Doc, don't stress about my uh, my well-being. I'm fine, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, Cab, you don't think you'll get back into into manage, managing? No, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm 48 now. Um, as I said, the it, it would take something unusual or special for me to get back in. Listen, I love the game. Um, I, I did really enjoy my time as manager um, in the right environment with the right, um, not facilities around the world, but the right structure. Um and being able to delegate in a better way because you have the staff to be able to do it, well, then definitely I would, I would, uh, I would like to do it. But um, no, not, I, don't, I can't imagine that. And what, not even a coach? Maybe going in as assistant manager to someone? Um, do you know what? 
No, I mean, I've done the assistant role and I enjoyed it and it was really learning curve. Um, but I, I, I love being on the grass. I love coaching with the players and, and doing all of that. But the other aspect of it, I mean, what I'm, what I'm doing at the minute is my me, me son is actually doing quite well in Middlesbrough and there's been a few clubs after him and stuff. Um, so we, we've ended up having a few agents, uh, discussion with a few agents and I was like, no, I'm not. I, I know what happened with my career, my age and how that worked out and what, yeah. what the, the pitfalls of that were. So I've set up a company and we're, we're looking after players now. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, this world, I think from going from the agency world back into football, I think you probably, you look like you're damaged goods a little bit because I think clubs look at you and think, well, um, you've gone to the dark side and mm-hmm. you know, you're now doing, like clubs, clubs hate agents, but then, but then they'll use agents because they, they can manipulate certain agents to get deals that are better for the club than they are for the player. And, and, and some agents are quite happy to deal that because they want to, they just want to get paid. I've never ever been that way. I want to do right by the player. I want to do right by, by the individual. I want to, I want to see him progress. I'd like to be part of that journey. And um, I want to see him grow. And I think, you know, with the players we have anyway, I'm able to, to give them, you know, bits of my experience and, and help them along the way and, and hopefully take it on board. Listen, there's some, there's some who'll be better than others. There's some, Individuals you you prefer over us, it's just human nature. But um, on the whole, yeah, I definitely want to be. I want to. I want to try and help them and guide them if, if we can. You know. You enjoy. You enjoy being an agent now. Then. I wouldn't necessarily say enjoy it. To be honest, there's, there's elements of it that I do, like watching games and seeing players perform well, and players that you've you've given good guidance and information to, and they're taken on board, and seeing the happiness and the joy that they have when they get new contracts and stuff. All of that is brilliant. The headaches that come with with the agency side. Um, manage not getting back to you um, players you know bullshitting you and there's always another agent around the corner who wants to take your player off you and there's no loyalty or the same isn't as much loyalty as what, what there seemed to used to be um, but you're, you're aware of all that and you're, and you're, you're trying to sort of build a, build, a, build a relationship and build a friendship with the player likewise you're, you're trying to do the best for him and, and, I, and I've said to the, I've said to all the players um, oi shush I said to all the players, um, I'll be honest with you. I've, I've, I've always wanted honesty, so I'm going to be honest with you. The problem with that is a lot of players want honesty until they hear honesty. And if yeah. it's honesty that they don't like, they don't then, like they, then they don't like it. You know what I mean? Um, and it's, it, it, can be, it can be as much as, listen, you're not working hard enough. Um, you're right, lazy bastards. I'm telling you, <laughs> um, you're not going to have a career if you carry on as you are. And that then becomes, oh, well, you're your agent. So you, you've you've got to be you've got to be a bit or balance balance it sort of a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you've you've got to try and sort of influence them and, and, and find out what flows the boat. And but ultimately, like there's no grey areas where it's it's like if you don't perform, you're not going to get taken on. You're not because there's going to be somebody there to take your place. Listen as well, you know, George. You know, it's one of them. It's like it's a it's it's a, it's a tough tough industry. People think football is it's all glamorous lifestyle and it's easy and. You know, you've got to be dedicated to you. You've got to be prepared to absolutely give it your all. You've got to be professional. You know, you've got to live the life. Because if you don't, you, you, you'll get found out and, and, and the game doesn't stand still for anybody. You'll come out of the game, won't you? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Now, uh, before, we, before we finish, I've got some like quick-fire questions that we, that we end with. So, uh, so yeah, um, best player you've ever played with? So, like, as, as teammates? Uh, Roy Keane. Uh, who's the best player you've played against? Um, well, obviously, all of that Brazil team were unbelievable. But in terms of actually 
competitive level, I suppose, uh, it would have been either Henri or Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo. Either of them two were incredible. Yeah. Um, what's the best goal you've scored? A few uh, screamers, isn't there, Cav? There's been a few, a few decent ones. Yeah, there's, there's one, a, uh, there's one at uh, Wolves, which is a volley from a corner. It was a good goal. There's one at Crystal Palace, uh, which was a half volley. Uh, played around the corner, got it back and hit it and went, went top corner. So, there's, yeah, there's a few, there's two or three that I would, I'd, I'd look back on and think, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't mind scoring either of them again. <laughs> what was your uh, what what was your first car that you bought when you turned pro? Ford Ford Fiesta one point one gear it was. I thought the gear meant it was actually faster. It wasn't. It was just had a little bit more. And I thought it was what, a fair. What color? What color was it? <laughs> oh, I was disgusting. It was wine. It was horrible. Uh, it was making. I used to I used to pull up my bikes and like the car Porsche beside me. I'd be looking at the fella going, "Come on, you you gonna have it or what?" And he'd look at me and laugh. He'd just fly it off and be thinking, "Shit, maybe little one point one gear. I'm going nowhere." You never drove on a night out then. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. Um, if you weren't a footballer, what what would you have been? What would you be doing? Um, do you know what? I think if I wasn't a footballer, it wouldn't have been something I wanted to do. But my dad was a, a sheet metal worker and he, he he done ventilation and stuff. He had his own company, so I probably would have fallen into that, but it would have been something that I hated. It wouldn't have been something that I uh, enjoyed. And then I'm sure after maybe four or five years, I'd have, I'd have changed and tried to have been, I don't know, something else really. But... Um, no, that, that that was never really an option for me. Football was always was always um, something that I was prepared to sacrifice everything for. So, yeah, there was only one way of outcome. Was, I, I wanted to be a player. That was it. And the final question, probably the most important one. When you were in Sheffield, uh, did you ever have a berries pork sandwich? No, I didn't actually. No, you never had a pork. No. Oh, no, you've, you've gone down in my estimation. <laughs> <that game. laughs> well, I can only, only apologise. I didn't. I didn't uh, swipe on that. Pork, to be honest, pork is my thing. Anyway, no, I don't like pork. Oh, you've got to have a pork. You know, all the listeners now will just be thinking, oh, Graham. Like... Yeah. yeah. Okay, I've, I've got one quick question. Sorry to interrupt you. Who, who's the best manager you've you've worked under? Uh, the best manager for me um, was uh, was Paul Jill. And the reason being was... Um, I, was at, I was at Cardiff, end of leaving. Uh, Lenny Norris was manager. Gone great with Lenny. Lenny was brilliant. And obviously I was captain and, you know, I had quite a, quite a say, if you like, I, I got to know an awful lot of things I've gone in the club because I was involved in, the manager was pulling me in, I'd, I'd know different bits of bees. And I ended up signing for, for um, there's a bit of a forest sale at, at, at Cardiff and Wigan signed me. So we're playing Ipswich on the Saturday. So this is actually a funny story, friends. Um, I have a meeting through the week with the players to say, look, we, because we haven't been paid. I said, look, uh, we're going to get paid. But even if we don't get paid, look, we would all be playing football on a Saturday afternoon. So regardless of whether we get paid or not, we're going to play on Saturday. It was actually against Sheffield United. Um, so I have this team meeting. Everyone agrees. We're all in it together. We're all going to um, give our all and we're going to play for the club, play for the badge, play for the fans. Brilliant. So I get a phone call on Thursday to say that Wigan have come in for me. Uh, long and short of it, the manager, or sorry, the owner sending up a helicopter. So I'm now flying on a helicopter to land in the training ground right, on the Friday to sign before 12 o'clock to then play against Ipswich, which is top of the table clash on the Saturday. So uh, this helicopter lands in the training ground. I can see all the players looking down, who have we signed? What, what, <laughs> what superstar have we signed? Right? Next of all, I get off the helicopter and they're going, who the fuck is that guy? Right? <laughs> so uh, anyway, the, the, the reason I was mentioned Paul Jill was... Um, 
half time in the game on the Saturday, Lee McCulloch's playing left wing and his man ran off and I said, look, if that happens again, you don't strike him into my area. Let him run on to me. I'll mark him. And then you just stay narrow of the pitch and, um, and, and more or less cover my area of the pitch. He said, yeah, no problem. That's fine. And as, as he said it, as I said it to him, Paul Gill pulled me in front of everyone and says, uh, I don't give a fuck who you think you are or what you've been in the past. We don't play by your rules here. We play by my rules. And you, this is the Lena Cullock, you track your fucking runner even if he runs to the goal line. I don't give a shit. It's your man. You stay with him. And the reason and the, the, the point I'm telling that story is there was no grey areas. It was, it, was, it was very black and white when you played for Paul Gill. You knew your role on the team. Um, you knew what the structure of the team was. There was no player that was bigger or better than anybody else. Everybody had to put a shift in. Everybody had to to be accountable. And um, and he was he was just all around. I thought his man, man, man management style was excellent. If you weren't playing for every reason in terms of injury or suspension, he didn't speak to you. He blank. You. So he always felt you. He always left you feeling you wanted to give more. You wanted him. You wanted him to like you. Want to speak to you. You wanted him to to acknowledge you. And I just thought his, his whole, I thought tactically, I thought it was very good. Um, and he was just, at that time at Wigan, it was, it was a great fit. And I thought he was, was a very good manager for me, innit? He did well, didn't he? Obviously, you finished 10th, was it, that season? And yeah, we finished 10th, we, yeah, we did the rhythm. We the final. Yeah, we get to the cup final, yeah. Um, the cup final was actually funny. It wasn't funny, it was embarrassing, to be honest, because we got beat 4-0. And um, yeah, it was awful. But funny story about that was... Um, so we play on the Sunday against um, Man United in the League Cup final, and then we're playing. I'm playing for Ireland on the Wednesday against Portugal. So obviously Ronaldo's going to play, and then we're playing Man United the following Monday live on Sky Sports um, at home. This is so when we play in the Cup final, we get beaten four 0 and Ronaldo gets the ball, keeps the ball across the pitch um, about four or five times. A few lads try and kick him, what have you? And he's basically taking the piss in the game. They're battling us, and he's, he's actually taking the piss now. So we play against Portugal on Wednesday. We win, we win one, uh, one nil, and then we get back. I get back to the training ground on Friday morning. We're having breakfast and all that as I sit and chat. And we haven't had a chance to see each other and speak about the game. So the lads are like, I need to watch the game the weekend. And um, a few lads said he had, and then they mentioned this about Ronaldo keeping the ball up. So everyone was pissed off, and everyone said, "Well, I'll tell you what we do." Who fancies putting 50 quid in the pot? First person to nail Ronaldo on Monday <laughs> takes the money, right? So I'm thinking, I'm playing centre midfield. I've got a right good chance of mullering him. <laughs> right? so I'll, I'll take the 500 quid, 100%. I'm going to be forced to nail him, right? So they they get the kickoff. Um, Rioni plays the ball to Saha. Saha played the ball back to Giggs. Giggs pings at right wing. Ronaldo takes a touch with, with his chest and Arian Dezil absolutely wipes <laughs> right? The game is about two and a half seconds old and he's already, I mean, 50 quid is gone. Right? And, I, and I've not had a chance to build Ronaldo and I've not had a chance to win the 500 quid, so he's gone. So I'm absolutely raging. So in fairness, um, I did actually smash him in the game and I got a yellow card from my hobby. But uh, I mullered him and it, it hurt me, so I knew it hurt him. And it was the only time ever in my career that I've actually taught this on a pitch. <coughs> he stands up and he, he fronts me up and I'm, I'm eyeballing him. I know he's, he's, he's a good bit taller than me. 
It's the first time we Craig actually looked at somebody and thought, you know what, you actually are one handsome bastard. <laughs> 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 and, and this is the other funny part. Jimmy Bullard comes running over to separate the two of us. And he, he pulls me, he grabs me, he pulls me to the side and he goes, Jesus Christ, he smells gorgeous as well, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, thinking, Jimmy, that's the last thing I need to be hearing. You leave me alone. I'm trying to, I'm trying to fall out with Ronaldo here. Like, yeah, all, all fun and games. What, what would, what would? I mean, I said we'll finish here, but what, what would Jimmy Bullard like? I mean, he was, he's, he's such a character, isn't he? Oh, he's bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Um, Good for the dressing room, though, Cav, was he, yeah? He was brilliant. I mean, to be honest, Jimmy could do your head in there. He was like, he was one of them. Like, he was, he was, he was relentless. He was non-stop relentless. Um, he used to do stuff like. So the year we got promoted, we didn't really have any 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 foreign lads in in the dressing room. They were all like a nucleus of British and Irish lads and what have you. And the the, the, the camaraderie in the band that was obviously very good. But what Jimmy used to do was Jimmy Jimmy would come in early from training, right? And he'd sit in the uh, in the kit the kit like there was a bit we used to have a big base and a big bin and he'd have all the, the jerseys and the t-shirts over him all the, the gear that the lads had thrown off and he'd he'd, he'd, he'd get in the, the he'd be in the nude right? he'd get a hard on right? and some of the foreign lads come in and they'd throw <laughs> a kit as soon as the kit would hit the back the basket Jimmy would jump up right? the foreign <laughs> lads didn't know how to take him they were literally like this fella is bonkers I'm going to go and see the manager I need to see the manager because this is not right what's going on they'd never seen any of this before but the good thing with Jimmy was he like whether we won or whether he lost, Jimmy Jimmy has this uh, mindset where he doesn't take life too seriously. He can have a laugh about everything. So he always brought that to training. So there was always a good mood and it was always you never felt like there was a damp, a dark spirit over the place. And it was just it was great for the for the club and for the for the for the way we were, you know what I mean? And yeah, some of the some of the stuff he done, he was he was bonkers like Jesus Christ bonkers. The thing with Jimmy as well was you used to say to Jimmy, the lads would say to Jimmy, I dare you to do Whatever, blah blah blah, right? And Jimmy said, "I'm not doing that." And then one of the lads would say, "Gaza would do it," and Jimmy go, "Gaza wouldn't do that." He go, "Of course he would." And I used to say to him, "Gary Kelly would do it." Gary Kelly's mad at you anyway, and then that used to really piss him off. So no matter what you asked him to do, but if you said Gary Kelly would do it, he would do it to prove he was mad at Gary Kelly. So yeah, it's uh, very very immature. But honestly, God, some of the crack you used to have. Tell you another funny story. This this is one of the best ones he done. My uh, my first away trip. He's uh, we're, we're away in the hotel, and the manager says, Right, seven o'clock dinner. So the lads are all saying, Look, everyone's down. The manager looks out to be down there early, so get down for about quarter seven. So I said, Fair enough. So I'm ready to come down. And as I get down, all the lads are huddled around this table, and all like looking over, like, What's going on? So, um, and Jimmy has this A4 sheet of paper, and he has he's drawn a picture of a Christmas tree, Christmas tree, Christmas tree. Christmas tree, Christmas tree, Christmas tree, Christmas tree. So seven Christmas trees, yeah? So he has this pen, and he's going like this with the pen, in and out of the Christmas tree, right? He's going. So he goes, here, Cavs, don't have a go. I'm thinking, right, it's my fourth away trip. I'm probably going to get stitched up, but I'll do whatever he's playing at, right? So I was like, fine. So I get the pen, I go in and out of the tree. He goes, geez, he's natural, isn't he? Look, how good is he? Unbelievable, right? So I'm thinking, wow. So he goes, fast, like Cavs, I'm going. He goes, right, I'll tell you what we do. He says, We'll do it one more time, but this time we're going to blindfold you. And he says, all right, fair enough. So he blindfolds me. Right? And he goes, right, you ready? As, he, as I went to do it, he clattered me across the head and he goes, you've hit a tree. <laughs> 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 
So I literally, <laughs> I went berserk. I chased him the hotel and to kill him. But all the lads, obviously, it was at my expense. All the lads are taking the piss and I'm a laugh. And but that, was, that was Jimmy to a T, you know what I mean? He was there. Uh, yeah, he was, he, he was fun and games. <laughs> Did you play with Gary Till as well at Wigan? Yeah, Till was there, yeah. Till, good lads, good player, played in the way. Um, yeah, it was uh, a lot of... A lot of uh, you had a good team, didn't you, at Wigan? Oh, mate, there was... I was thinking oh, of the players that you had Jim in Bonder, Baines, yeah. Leighton Baines. Baines, yeah. Um, Leighton Baines, Arian Dezeel, Stefan Ancho. Titus, Titus there? Uh, no, Titus wasn't there then, no. Titus wasn't there then. Um, uh, Roberts? Jason Roberts was front with um, Nathan Wellington, and then he left, and we had Henri Camera. Yeah. Then we brought in um, Emil Heskey. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we we did, we did, we did a good size. Um but again it was all it was all down to you know team spirit, walk rate, you know, there's no there was no superstars, no cream of honest. Uh you had to walk your nuts off to be in the team. That was that was that was first and foremost. Was Joel, like old school, sort of in the sense of did he work you hard at training or did he manage you well? Like what no, how was he on a day to day sort of training wise? No, well, so we so Pascal signed for us, right? And Pascal was living in a hotel and I was living in a hotel. So I used to take I used to bring Pascal into training. And Pascal he used to only understand when he was getting paid and day off. They were the only team, <laughs> right? Didn't understand, didn't understand anything else. But if we got a bonus, he understood that as well, right? We won a game. Oh, that big bar, how much? All right, Granny, you knew all that, right? So, um, anyway, we, we, we were trying. Um, Paul Jr. used to do his thing where we, we had this um, this game. I can't remember the name. The game was called now. Um, anyway, we have three teams. And there was... Eight in one team, eight in one team, and eight in another team. And a team of eight would stand one end of the goal, one end of behind the goal, four on each side. And then one team would attack. If you scored, you went up the other end, you attacked again against the other team that's been resting. If you didn't score, uh, you had to defend, and you had to defend the halfway line. And they weren't allowed to get across the halfway line. And if they took a touch, uh, a yard, one side of the line, and one side of the other line, then they were now attacking. And the opposition team would come on. So basically, I mean, we played that for ages, right? It was all about defending where you're going to show the players, going to show them outside, show them wide, defending space, defending uh, balls into the box, all of that. And it was all real game efficient, but it was all, it was in a big, big area. So you, you were covering lots of grounds. And if one player let you down because he didn't track the run, then, then you were struggling. Anyway, the top team who won didn't have to run. The team who came uh, second had the less run and the team who came last had another run. And what the run was, was you start on the bottom line and you had to go to the top line and back, and everyone had to get in in 30 seconds. And if you didn't get in in 30 seconds, you'd go again. So Pascal comes in. Pascal's a really good player. Um, the very first day we went and done this, and top line and back, all of us got in, apparently Pascal. He went, well, let's back in the line again. So we're all moaning, like, fuck on. Like, are you taking the piss away? Top line and back, we all get in again, apparently Pascal. He goes, right, let's do it again. And then the lads lost their shit, right, with Pascal. And we're proper fuming them out, what have you. And I didn't realise at the time, but when I look back on it, it was a, it was an ingenious way of him getting us to manage each other because the expectation and the standards that were set in previous years were never going to change. And rather than him have to dig out Pascal, he knew that we would. So Pascal either grew up to speed or he was going to get two foot in training, he was going to get he was going to get hurt in terms of health. Yeah, he was going to get mullered. And um and in fairness, he, he bought into it in the end. But we we would do that on a regular basis and we would do that like if you played and you won on a Saturday, you could do that on a Monday. It was a wave game, was called that. That was what the game was called. Um, so you kind of allowed, you allowed like the players sort of to take care of the dressing room as well. 
yeah, hairdressing was our domain, and he, and he wouldn't, he'd never interfere in that. But okay. what the structure was and how we want us to play, and obviously the rules of the training grounds um, on the pitch, he, he was he was all over. He knew he knew exactly what every every person's character was, mindset, what their drive was, what their ability was. That why was. probably he was good at man management at that stage. Yeah, he was, he was excellent because he knew yeah. each player and how to get the best out of them. Yeah, yeah, and and I think also he, he signed players that he knew had a little bit of a point to prove. Mm. Um, and he and he done his homework. He, he was speaking out. I mean, after I after I signed from, I, I got a phone call from four or five different um, coaches. So I had Paul Jill on the phone. Really, what was he asking? He was asking my temper, my mindset, my character, my professionalism. Um, was I a drinker? You know, did I go out regularly? Had I got family? All of them things that he knew would impact on how I'd be able to play. And yeah, he was. He was. Uh, I, I thought he was brilliant. Really, really good. Mm. Excellent, uh, Graham. We're gonna uh, gonna wrap it up there. Um, I just want to say, you know, fantastic chat there, and some of the stories you've you've got are absolutely brilliant as as well. And just you know, thanks for uh, agreeing to to come on and uh, and speak to us. Yeah, no problem at all. Uh, I hope I haven't offended anybody with stories, but uh, yeah, <laughs> no. all from no. a good place. No, great Absolutely. stuff, and uh, you know, de- definitely, uh, definitely keep in touch, Graham, and um, obviously we can have you on uh, on again, maybe, maybe sometime in the near future. Yeah, no problem at all, fellas, and I appreciate. It. Thanks for being. Cheers, Chad. Thanks a lot, mate. Cheers, Graham. Cheers, Cheers, Graham. Thanks boys. very much, mate. Cheers, Cheers bye. Mate. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.